0: Let's start with prayer today, and we can please stand up. Lord God, we just thank you for bringing us here today to worship you, um, and to us just to in, enjoy, to bask in your presence, and hear what you have laid um, on our hearts. God, we know that there um, are many of us in many different walks of life, dealing with many uh, struggles, some of us with many joys. Let's just worship you and, uh, and just praise your name as we come together. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand on up.
1: Justness alone, faultless stand before the throne.
0: Oh crap!
2: And we could ever breathe. We live for You. Oh, we live for You. Only there is no one like You. There is none beside You. Open up.
0: you that we can build our life in the thing that, that lasts, and that's in you. You are, how awesome today, we we were talking about Nehemiah building a wall, and God, we're, we're talking about you're the cornerstone, and we can build our lives upon you. And so God, we pray that, that that regardless of what happens, that we may begin, that some of us may have a life that's in shambles, that is broken down, much like the walls of Jerusalem were during the time of Nehemiah. And God, right now, I just pray that anybody in the sound of my voice will be just like him. and just have that, that passion in their heart to rebuild, and that God, will strengthen them, and you'll give everything to them to rebuild their lives upon your love. And that we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. There you go. All right. Patty's here. Okay, good. All right. So um, we're coming to the time of our, um, our prayers, our joys and prayers, things that we want to lift up. And so we have a number of, um, of prayers to lift up today. So I'm going to go ahead and just uh, hit on them right now. Um, Nancy Huxby uh, has asked for prayers for her sister and brother-in-law. They lost their 27-year-old son to a motorcycle accident. So we want to lift them in prayers. Um, um, so uh, Miss Dot Logan, happy birthday. So um, we want to give her happy birthday. We'll, um, we'll touch on that in a bit. And Ron, um, we also have this. Uh, Donna Wigum is recovering from surgery and doing very well. We continue to ask for prayers for that. Um, Lisa Osborne gave us an update on Katie Doan and family. Katie um, and her family um, and her parents were all... Um, Some of the founding members of this church, um, they were there at the very beginning. Um, Katie moved, and and Mike moved to Texas area, down around there. And anybody knows that they have had, um, because of Hurricane Laura, they've had a a lot of things. And Katie and Mike went through a lot last time, but they... um, they are straight, extremely thankful for all the prayers. They tend to be in a higher area, and so everybody comes to their house, and they have a lot of people there, um, which, is, which is totally them. Um, they sustained no damage, never lost power during the storm. Uh, Mike's company, though, is located in Louisiana and did sustain some major damage. Um, and uh, so we want to go ahead, and we're thankful that they continue to go ahead uh, and do that. Also, Dot Logan, her birthday, um, she will be 95 years young. So ninety-five dot happy birthday if you're watching, and um, and we are thrilled for her. And again, we mentioned about Donna um, for continued prayers there. Linda Evans asked for prayers for a number of different um, things for family, uh, for mental, emotional, and spiritual needs, um, and just uh, and financial and other kinds of things as well. Um, also, pray for the family of Steven Snyder it, um, in the passing of his mother. They will have a, a graveside service in memory, mem- uh, in memory of her tomorrow. Um, Melinda is traveling to North Carolina, and she asked for that prayers last week um, for to visit with her mom and dad, and her father isn't doing well. Um, and so uh, June asked for prayers for Lucy, her neighbor, and Reese Sinelli asked for prayers for Christy Ward with COVID. Um, she's going to get Lou's Lou show. We want to continue with Lou and his prayers as he had some res, uh, tests and results during that time. Also continue with other prayers. Pray, keep praying for our uh, brothers and sisters in Haiti. As they are, um, you know, they are dealing with this plus some other uh, craziness that's there. So continue to pray for them as well. And Vin Genusa is 23 years old. And he beat one battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma and now is uh, facing another one. So we want to go ahead and, um, because he has a mass around his heart. And we want to ask at 23 years old that the doctors treat Vin and um, bring God's healing to him. Okay? Um, So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we will go ahead and resume today. Week, you ready for this? 24, 24 weeks of COVID-19 prayer. That's how long you've been at this. Yep. Um, so we're getting, we're getting there to that half a year mark. So um, continue to pray, and we're going to start today again. Um, COVID-19 uh, n- uh, is there, in case you don't know. Unite 714 prayer. We have those on our website, 714 in the morning, 714 in the evening. And the verse for this week is Habakkuk. Um, and it says from chapter 2, I will take my stand at the watchpost and the station myself in the tower and look out to see what he will say to me, and I will answer concerning my complaint. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will come, it will surely come, it will not delay. And from chapter three, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do not fear. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fall, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deer; He makes me tread on my high places. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as the prophet Habakkuk foresaw the unprecedented time and destruction coming in the world, he knew as well the nation he loved. And so today, we choose to emulate his response. As he chose to stand firm and to wait on you in prayer and intercession, so we come boldly before your throne today. Like Habakkuk, our eyes are also on you. You are the only one with the power to eradicate this terrible pandemic that continues to wreak havoc in our cities and our nations. And Lord, help us not to falter in our commitment, but to stand fast and pray in this critical hour. Today, Lord, we unite in prayer against the pandemic, ravaging our world physically, emotionally, economically, and socially. With one voice, we cry out and say, Lord, eradicate COVID-19 and heal our world. Almighty God, forgive us for complaining and doubting. No matter how long it takes to eradicate COVID-19, give us the patience we need to see it defeated. With the economies of our world reeling and many of our nations still in the dreadful grip of this virus, We take our stand on the powerful promise of Habakkuk 2.3. We will not lie if it seems slow. Wait for it. It will surely come, and it will not delay. While many are drowning in despair and hopelessness flooding our world, we choose to wait patiently for your deliverance. Our hope is in you. And so, Heavenly Father, like Habakkuk, we too have heard of the miraculous ways you have intervened throughout history on behalf of your children. The memory of these divine interventions give us the faith that we need to boldly come before your throne today. And so we stand united with millions of other believers all around the world, and we ask you to revive your church and to make your glorious name known through a fresh manifestation of your presence and power on earth. And God, we also lifted up a number of specific prayers here today, ones that only you could deal with and you can solve. And so, God, we lift those up to you, all the ones by name that we lifted up, and those in our hearts and our minds, and those that some may be lifting up online right now or may be shouting out in the sound of our voice, that, God, you will hear them and you will bring healing to your people all around the world. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding us, we choose to rejoice even as we pray and wait for your intervention. So give us strength, the strength we need to live boldly through these mountain ranges of impossibility and, and all the times of adversity. Heavenly Father, we stand before you with our hands lifted in thanksgiving and praise. We thank you for the strength that you have already given us. We lift up our voices in unity and faith, and we believe that in this critical hour that you will fill your church with the fresh joy and power that is needed to make it through this time and all other challenges. In your mighty name we pray. Everybody says amen. All right, um, we're going to begin in our second week today of Ordinary Work. It's a series in the book of Nehemiah. I do want to touch on a number of, um, of announcements that we have here. Youth group is meeting in person. Hey, all right, um, we're locking them in cages six feet apart. Okay, no, um, but on Sunday, September 6th, from 1130 right after church to 130, grades 6 to 12 are welcome. And they're going to be following the safety guidelines that we have to follow with our governor and everything else um, in compliance. So, um, so I know the youth are excited about that, right? They get to actually see people in person. It's a good thing. Um, and if you're facing a crisis, we do have a great Stephen ministry group. And um, the other week we brought brought in several others, and I know they'd be willing to help out. So if you're, um, if you're interested, um, you can contact uh, our Stephen ministry or go to our, our website, and we have that information that's there. Grief Share, um, I know that several over this time have lost loved ones and um, or have just dealt with the loss of a loved one. And right now, our Grief Share is meaning Um, Right now, they began on um, the 10th of August, and they're continuing to go for 13 weeks. If you missed, you don't have to catch up. You can plop right right in. Um, So many people have talked about how great that is to be able to have the... um, that that group in grief in grief share, but this is particularly the loss of a loved one, um, and they're dealing with that on Mondays on Zoom right now um, from 6:30 to 8:30 p.m. And there's that information that you can call, um, you can check our website for that. There's, that information is there, and you can also um, send an email to griefshare@havencc.org. Okay, and they'll be glad to get or go to our website once again. Um, A big thanks to everyone. It's still coming in. It's great. We are receiving things for, um, instead of our baby bottle drive this year, we are doing a baby shower online. And I know that lots of packages are coming in. It's really pretty awesome. Um, So you can continue to do that. Um, Havencc.org forward slash. And there's a lot of things about baby shower. Okay, so um, you can go there. Um, women's outing. The women are going are out and about. September 1st, they're going to Calvert Regional Park for a devotional time and time of reconnection in person. Doesn't that sound good? All right, you can shake your head if you don't want to talk. It works, all right? Um, and so they're going to be there at 6.30 on September 1st at the pavilion near the back of the parking lot. And there's, um, you can um, make some connections there as well. And then we have a couple other things. A family movie night um, we will be here, um, I think... I, I thought I had the date here, but I didn't have the date on here. Is it? Do we know what the date is? What was it, 19th? 19th, I believe it is the 19th. So um, please check for that. There's information about that. You can um, email kate at um, kate at havencc.org. And then on September 13th, right after church, um, we are going to have a baptism. Uh, And so, what we ask if you want to participate in that baptism, you, we need you to go and register online through havencc.org. Uh, and if you register on there, um, there's an area for a t-shirt. We're going to get you a t-shirt to commemorate that day. And we're going to do it. And you say, where are we going to do it? Right across the parking lot. Could you not know there's water across the parking lot? And it's a really cool area for that, and um, I'm excited about that um, because we used to go down to the park and all that kind of stuff, which was cool in itself. One time, some of you may remember when we went all the way to the Middle River to join another church. Um, well, we're not, we're not doing that. We're going to the Middle River that goes between the parking lot and the other side of the road. Um, and it's, it's nice and clean, and, and it's a beautiful area down there, although a tree fell during the water, but we're good, okay? No trees will fall on you during that. And if it does, hey, you're going to go be with the Lord. It works, all right? <laughs> So, I'm joking. It's good. It's okay. It's okay. We can laugh. We need some laughter, right? Does anybody remember laughter? Remember how that was? All right, so that's where we are. Everybody sound good there? Okay, good deal. All right, let's get into some business. Where are we going today? Ordinary work. And today we are going to talk, we're continuing in the series of Nehemiah. Remember, Nehemiah was an ordinary guy who God called to a super. Ordinary task. We and put him to a work, a work that um, changed the world, changed the world. And so, as I said last week, this is a um, this is a series for people who believe that there's more than just this. That you that God has made you for something incredible. That God has given you something to be world changers. And and. Constantly throughout Scripture, God never chooses the strong, the, the, the strongest and the best. As a matter of fact, He used Samson most when Samson was at his weakest. You know, God um, doesn't love to have the most intelligent, the people with the best character, the people who have this. God God doesn't even choose people to be spokesperson for His people who even speak the best. Moses, it's believed, had a, had a lisp or a speech impediment or, or something that he did or stuttered that he said, I'm not eloquent of speech. And God said, exactly why I want you. And so, so as I said last week, if you're perfect, God can still use you. Because this is what we're going to talk about. God wants to use Ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And, and what does he want to do with that? He wants to do an ordinary good work. And this is where our theme verse comes from. Our theme verse says, so they began the good work. And many of us, God has given us a time that we can do some good work. So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to start this today by, asking, by, st- by just making an assumption. And, you, and so assumptions are dangerous, correct, aren't they? But I think I'm probably right on this assumption. I am just guessing that something right now is bothering you. Going out on a limb. Is anybody bothered by anything? All right. And don't, don't, don't say the person next to you. That's, I'm sorry. You married him. All right. So, um, but, or gave birth to him, whatever you want to say. So what I'm saying is um, there's something that's really bothering us, something that sticks in our crawl, something that somebody mentions to you. You could be smiling, and you just go to this, like, other level, like, rah, right? It's just something that bothers you or you start to weep or whatever. So um, it, it really weighs on you. So it could be something at a, um, at a microcosm level that there's somebody that is really, really, really hurting. And it's just bothering you that that person is hurting. Like you can't think, you can't uh, eat, you can't speak, or you're the other way because you're so worried all you do is think about it, and all you do is eat, right? You know, those kind of things, and you grieve the whole time. Because you're worried about that person who is hurting. Or there may have been someone who was abused, and or people that are abused, and you're like, this is just wrong. Or maybe there's a need, a need that you see in the community. Like you pull up to the stoplight, and you see someone with a sign, and and some of us may go ahead and say, wow, that's just... That's, that, that person's just putting on or whatever else, they're, they're doing this. But then you see somebody else, and you, it just, you, somebody else might see that person, and your heart is moved about people who live like that day in and day out. And just may, may be there. Or maybe there's an injustice, and we've seen plenty of that over this last year and over many years of injustice. Or maybe there's just a burden. There's something that's just placed on your heart that is a burden that is there. Or like many of us else, there, there's something that frustrates us. Anybody frustrated by something? Okay, you're just frustrated, or it that frustration may even go to a point of anger that you're just angry about something in the world that there's just something there, and so when we look at these things, I don't most of the time what we want to do we want those burdens to go away, don't we? Not many of us like to live life with a burden do we? We don't like to sit there and say, man, I'm so glad I've got this thing that's bothering me. I'm so glad I am frustrated all the time by that situation. I'm so glad that when I got out, I forgot to wear my mask to go into the store, and now I'm, i i got to go back all the way at the end of the parking lot and get it, um, because they're going to yell at me for not having my t-shirt on. Right? There's things that frustrate us and anger us, and none of us are happy about that. But one of the things that, I, that Nehemiah teaches us is that often the burden you bear it often reveals the calling that you will embrace. Nehemiah, as we went through last week, and if you missed it, go ahead and check it out online, Nehemiah ended up having this burden that was placed on his heart when he heard about the plight of his people in Jerusalem and the shape that Jerusalem was in. So rarely do we understand at the beginning of something great that is gonna be something great. Something good that we do, rarely do we think, wow, I am so glad that I'm in the midst of this. Like I can tell you when I went to seminary, there I enjoyed some of it, but there were some days I remember my first um my first uh church history class I went to and I opened the syllabus and it was like over a thousand pages of reading for a week. And I said, This is not getting me closer to heaven, this is hell. You know, I do not want to read a thousand pages of church history. Anybody want to do that this week? I'll challenge you. Because I, guess what? I didn't do it. You know why? Because I went to the library and I was freaking out. It was a burden to me. I was totally freaked out about it. And I saw somebody who had taken him the previous semester, uh, Dr. Horace Russell, who was actually friends with C.S. Lewis. It was really cool. Um, but um, he said, um, she said, oh, don't worry about reading any of that. Just do the papers. I'm like, I gotcha, hallelujah, back to heaven. And these are some of the things that we struggle with when we have burdens and we don't realize that in the midst of bearing the burden that that brings about for us the calling that we eventually embrace. And we're gonna talk a lot about that. But I wanna reiterate the context that we're in here about Nehemiah because about 500 um 87 to 589 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians attacked Jerusalem, and they laid it waste. They had made an agreement before, but King Zedekiah went against Nebuchadnezzar. He was a figurehead king, and so Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, we're just going to show you how powerful we are. Bam, they completely annihilated them. They destroyed the temple, Solomon's temple. They tore down the walls, they burned the gates, and they took the best of the best captive. And then they kind of sorted through them, and they let some of the other ones, a couple decades later, go back. They, they released some of the Jews, and they sent them back. But again, they held on to some of the best of the best, and they put some of the best of the best in great positions. Nehemiah was one of those who was in a great position. So when they sent the people back, they were not the best of the best. They went back to rebuild, but they had no money. They had no leadership. They had no, no leadership structure. And there was, after a while, there was no hope, and they failed. They failed. And so now we are at 140 years later, ordinary Nehemiah had a job. His job was cupbearer to the king. In other words, he was the taste tester. Because if they wanted to poison the king, guess who got it first? Nehemiah. Nehemiah would take a drink, and the king would sit there and watch. And if he looked good, he said, pretty good. He said, give it to me. And that's how he, so that's a, a, you know, You better, like I said last week, you better have a good uh, health plan with that job. And so here he was. But then one day, his brothers come back from Jerusalem. He said, tell me about how the shape it's in. Keep in mind, Nehemiah had a good and comfortable life. He had the best of the best because he was right next to the king. And his brother said, it's horrible. Nothing's done. Everything's torn down. The temple's in shambles. There's chaos everywhere. It's shattered. And this burden hit Nehemiah's heart. It broke his heart. He had a loss for his, his people and a brokenness for the city of God, Jerusalem, the promise. The city of peace was anything but that. Many of you may feel that's where your life is right now, that your life is a city without walls, a city that, that the temple of the Holy Spirit, as we're called, is, is kind of broken down right now because of what's happened in your life and around you. That you have no protection from the enemy and that you just feel like you're going day to day to day being attacked. That's where you are. You see, Nehemiah had no formal training, but what Nehemiah had, he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a warrior, he wasn't a contractor. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't go hire somebody who is a, a waiter to build a deck for me, right? Would you do that? You look for a contractor. Somebody knows what they're doing. Nehemiah didn't have those skills. But what Nehemiah had is the most important thing that God gives us. He had a burden, and more importantly, he had a passion. And that passion was so powerful. And so last week, we we talked about three things that Nehemiah did that we can do too when we have this burden. He sat down and he cried. Just sat down and he wept. And then from there, he knelt down to pray. And then he stood up to act. Nehemiah said, Somebody's got to do something. Why not be me? And I'm sure people said, Nehemiah, are you crazy? You have a nice life. Your life is really, really good. You just get all the good stuff with the king. Yeah, there's that thing that you could die if somebody wants to poison him. But hey, besides that, you'll go out in in the top of the top. You'll have a nice funeral. That's probably what he'd say. He said, everything's good for you. Why would you want to leave that for a while to go and to build a wall? And you don't even know how to build. But Nehemiah had a passion, and he had to do something. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do you work to make a difference in life? How do you go ahead and work to make a difference? So the first thing is this. Seek God faithfully. Seek God faithfully. What do you mean by that? Any way possible that you can seek God through his word, through his prayers, through whatever. Nehemiah, as I mentioned this last week, throughout the book of Nehemiah, which is really kind of short, We have record of Nehemiah praying some 12 times. He's praying and praying and praying and praying. Now let me give you some of the timeline here. The scripture tells us that he hears the news in the month of Kislev. And if you want to know what that month is, it is November and December. And he prays and fasts up until the month of Nisan. And if you've ever been here before, you know I have a billion jokes I want to say about Nissans, But I'm not going to do it. All right? Um, so he prays all that. That is four months. Nissan um, is it's about four months difference in praying. He prays. He fasts. He prays. He fasts. And he go, decides to go before God in prayer. And so Nehemiah is fasting, praying, seeking God. He's hurting. He's got this burden. He's asking why. And why is he fasting? And why is he praying? And why is he seeking God? And why is he crying? And why is he doing all this stuff? Because he had to do something that he knew could change the whole game for himself. In this time, you didn't just go and approach the king unless you were asked to speak. Eastern kings, it was believed in a time you did not give them bad news. Anybody know anybody in your life that you do not want to give them bad news? Like, if you give them, like, hey, it's raining out, they're going to flip out and yell and yell about where their galoshes is and they hate the world and they hate it. You know, you know people like it. Eastern kings were like that. It was told, no matter what, do not tell them bad news. Constantly tell them good news. Give a spin on it. So he had to go... Asked permission from the king. He had to ask some things for the king. So he was, had this burden for his people, but he also had this nervousness for himself because it could mean that he could lose not only his job but his head and his life. And so he, here's what he says here. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Notice the intimacy between Nehemiah, who's an ordinary guy and the most powerful person in the world at the time, this king, and Artaxerxes. He, they had spent enough time together that he knew exactly what was going on. And as I mentioned last week, and as, as I'll mention several times, we all know that some of us are people that our face tells the whole thing. I was doing a, a class the other day on, on Zoom so I had a whole bunch of faces up there, and I said something, and I know that you guys are shocked by this. Sometimes I say something shocking, um, and just to get a reaction from people, and I said something, and, this one, and after I said several things, this one girl was like, like this, and I, and I mentioned her name. I said, hey, when are we going to play poker, because I'm going to take every ounce of your money, because you have no poker face. There are people like that, and here you have Nehemiah, who has no poker face. He has such a burden. He has such a passion, and yet he has nothing to do with it. And he's looking downcast. And the king, because they spent time together, recognized that something was wrong with him. In addition to that, he had been praying and fasting and weeping and praying and fasting to the point that here we are. He's here. And the king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven another prayer, and I answered the king. Notice that Nehemiah at this moment is not in a four-month prayer session with the king. He's not saying, king, let's go on a prayer retreat and discern God's will. No, what did he do? You see, he had been praying and praying and spent so much time in in in-depth prayer with God that at this moment when God was answering and creating a possible opening, he just had to give him like a text message prayer. Like just, God, okay, here we go. You help me here. And then I answered the king. So many of us, when we go to pray with God, we haven't spent enough time praying with God that we, instead of the moment where God opens it, we say, hey God, here I go, I'm going in with a text message prayer. We have to do a full thing because we haven't spent time and we aren't sure whether it's God's moment or his voice. And so what we have to do is like Nehemiah, we have to embrace our time with prayer and fasting and grieving and all those things with the burden so that when that moment comes, we say, here we go, God. Now, how many of you... Are people, like if, if I, it, some, some of you have relationships with people that are, that are close. I'd say many of you are sitting with families, like, you know, most of you. And so if one of those people went ahead and picked up the phone, do they go ahead and say, how are you, oh great father? It's been months since I've talked to you, and I just wanted to fill you in on everything. How, how I, I'm in this need, and I have this great burden, oh great of mine and I thought that thou should know that I'm still here and even though I've been walking through the, the house all the time I haven't said a word to you I mean not many of us have that relationship in with the people we're sitting am I right right if not we'll, we'll put a link on so you can have counseling and we can really spend the rest of the year what I'm saying is the relationships you have when you call them you say hey I just want to let you know, I'm stopping by the store here. You need anything? Nope? Okay, love you, bye. You don't need to go through the whole thing every time because there is an intimacy there that you have spent with each other and you know each other. Well, anybody alive out there behind those masks, okay? You understand what I'm saying here? And we need that intimacy that Nehemiah had with his God to the point that if God was in a social distancing church, you're sitting right next to him. And not worried about anything because you spend so much time together. And by spending so much time together, you say, God, here's the moment we've been praying for. I'm going in. Strengthen me and do your will. Bam, that's all you need at that moment. If, if you have been spending all that other time in in-depth, intimate prayer. The king recognized what was going on with Nehemiah because they had spent time together. So he is a man that is so close to God that he can just quickly talk to him. My hope is that you will be praying long, intense, powerful, engaged conversations with God so that we're so close to him that basically we can text God all day. I think that's what is meant in the scripture by pray without ceasing. That means pray continually. I mean, that doesn't mean that we ride down the road and go, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm going to pray. No! But you can pray, hey, God, you know where I'm headed to this situation. I'm going to work. I can't stand my boss. I can't stand my coworkers. Maybe it's me, God. Maybe it's me. You work it out. Boom, and you are good to go. But you can't do that. Our problem is we want to do that instead of the intense spending time with people. Like I can't go ahead and, you know, never spend time with someone in my life and then just be like, well, solid, buddy, and call them a name. I can't give somebody a nickname if I haven't spent time with them what's up sparky how you doing there sparky you're like what the heck you call me sparky for if i spend time with you i may get a chance does anybody have a nickname have one in in life okay did you get that from a family member do your friends call you that do strange people in courts come up and call you that do people, when it comes time for you to go to the doctor, and say, okay, Sparky Sanguine, come on up here. No. Why? Because they don't know you. They call you, your name Edgar or whatever it is, right? Because they don't know you. And so we can spend time. I don't know how I got that. It's not on here. All right? But anyway, it's ADA worship today. Okay, ADHD. All right. Um, what we get to the point is that when we get in situations that we have such a comfort with God that we can say, God help. God, lead. Lord, do your will. And that kind of stuff. And the king says, what do you want? What do you want? What is it you want? And then he prayed to the God of heaven. Remember this about prayer. Nothing is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for God's heart. Nothing is too big For God's power, nothing is too small for God's heart. God cares about it all. There was a book years ago called "God um, Cares About the Small." God is in the small stuff, and He really is. Um, There have been several things in my life that have been born out of burdens. um, As I look back, Um, and just I mean, this church itself was born out of a burden. In case you don't know, this is like the area that Methodism started, and that was where my 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 up, my early spiritual upbringing was in, and um, and so I got like Methodist theology in my head when I was growing up. Um, But in case you don't know, back in 2007, there were a lot of churches in this area already. You know that? Like Methodism started where the the shadow of the steeple is where you planted a church. So that's why there's a billion different little Methodist churches, and there's Baptist churches, and other, and there's a lot of there's a billion different churches around. Matter of fact, in Cecil County, I have a book about Methodism in Cecil County, way back in the early days, and it was, it was said that they were called Shoutin' Methodists. That's what they were called. And a matter of fact, there's this great story, and it was over like toward Cherry Hill area, where um, a Methodist was coming from a meeting, and he was so filled with the Spirit that he fell off the back of a cart. And he was so worried because Methodists had a negative connotation to them, um, that he jumped up and said, I'm not a Methodist, I'm drunk, is what he said. So people would rather be a Methodist than drunk. I don't know now because I'm not part of the Methodist church how that works today. But what I am saying is that there was this, there, was, there wasn't, a, in 2007 and 8. there was a plenty of churches. But I had a burden for the home I grew up in about doing something a little different. I had a, a burden that there was needs that God had called us to. Just like Nehemiah, there were people already built to build the walls, but God needed to call and do something different, and he called an ordinary person to go ahead and do that. Since that time, we have seen a burden. When we went ahead and did the book by David Platt, some of you remember that. And we did a a group um, around the church about that. And it was all, and, and the first thing I heard him say was was talking about how every time G- Jesus' group got bigger, he said something and people went away. But then he started talking about ministering to the poor and the hungry and, and how not only in our community but around the world and how when Jesus commanded us to do the least of these things, and you know what, it put a burden on my heart, and it did on other people to the point when people began to discuss and our missions, uh, our Havens Helping Hands missions team began to discuss where should we go? Most of the people, the majority of people said, well, Haiti's the the most impoverished area in our whole hemisphere. Let's do that. Let's do that. And guess what? We did. And what we found out is that burden for those people that we have there has changed their lives. And I can tell you, it's changed mine a heck of a lot more. The burden that God places in your heart needs to grow because nothing... Is too big for God's power, and nothing is too small for his heart. If prayer isn't necessary to accomplish your vision, then you're thinking way too small. If you don't need God's intervention in your vision, then you have too small of a vision in the first place. You need God's power to come through. So that's the first thing. The first thing is seek God faithfully. The next thing that we have is to define the vision clearly. For most people in life, it's not a lack of caring. Most people are caring people. It's a lack of clarity. It's a complete lack of clarity. The king asked Nehemiah, what can I do? And Nehemiah is very clear. Here's what he says. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. Okay, His, his statement is clear and he gets a lot clearer. You notice that he didn't say this. Well, you know, I mean, I just talked to some, King, I just talked to some people in, that just came back, my brothers and some of them. So I talked to them. They gave me some information, but I do have an uncle, an Uncle Billy Bob. He lives in Jerusalem, just on the outskirts. So I'm going to, you mind if I go ahead and I talk to him a little bit, find out what the needs are. And and Billy Bob has some um, some other connections with the um, the, uh, you know, like the the curator of the temple, which is in ruins, and he might be able to give us an assessment of what's needed in there. And and you know, uh, um, also you know, I gotta get my, my stuff in order here first too. I gotta make sure I have everything. All oh, my T's crossed, and I I mean, we can't leave you without a cup bear. So I'm gonna train this cup bear for a while. And so I don't know, I don't know when that time's gonna be. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure. But but you, you notice that he doesn't go through that. The things we do all the time. That we may have a burden, we may have a call, and We say, wait a second, okay, but but. Let me, go, let me go. And you'll have, you'll have good people, good godly people who will want you to prolong what God has placed in your heart and, the, and to, to quench the passion that's there. I had that in the beginning of this church. I talked to some good people. I said, this is what God's laid on my heart. And I had good people in leadership positions who said to me, what if it fails? That was the question I was asked. What if it fails? And me, having a young family, scared to death, went, what fail you know (laughs) that was in my heart but God did something in me because we had been spending a lot of time in prayer about this and he's and I looked at the superintendent and I said if it fails then this is what God's called me to and he will open another door and we'll head in that ministry it's not my calling it's his right now meanwhile I was scared to death and I was thinking "Oh yeah what if it does fail but God had a different plan and you will have good people who want to go ahead. You yourself will do that. Oh, I had one person one time came to us. There was a church in the area. This was in the early days of the church. We didn't even have our building. We were meeting in the middle school. And the person called me and said, First Baptist of Northeast is no longer doing their fall festival. They're not doing it at all. It's, it's great. It's well attended. My kids love it. It's fantastic. And I said, oh, that sounds great. They said, I thought it'd be great if we can do it, but I don't want to do it. And I said, well, it ain't getting done. Because I didn't want to do it. The passion, God gives you a passion so that you can carry through the work. Do we see that? God doesn't give you a passion so you can dictate it to everybody. Your passion is what God has given you. Do you know, anybody remember when you used to have a thing called the nomination and personnel committee in churches? And people were laughing, understand exactly what that is. That meant if you're a warm body with a pulse, they put you in positions you never were gifted for. And so you would take somebody who had no passion and plop them in a Sunday school classroom with three-year-olds. That is called hell number two for the kids and for the adults. But they were warm bodies and we needed to fill something. Never did we think, is this your passion? But I have known 80-year-old women and 60, 70-year-old men who had a passion for kids so much that they taught Sunday school and they were there week after week after week because it was a passion in their heart, not an appointment by man and women, but a passion that God placed in your heart. That's where we gotta get back to. We gotta get back to the passion and embracing the passions God's put there. So for you, it's not a lack of caring. I don't think you don't serve in Sunday school when we have Sunday school because you don't care about the kids. You care about the kids. It's just maybe you don't have the clarity of what, what is needed there, or you may not even have the passion for it. So what is that thing in your life? Maybe you want to help children. You want to help children. And so I ask you this question as a follow-up. Which ones? Do you want to help the abused? Do you want to help the ones who can't read? Do you want to help those who are hungry? Those who now have nothing to do and are there? Maybe those in another country. What about you want to help single moms? Just to let you know, single moms working their tails off, going to school, providing for their children alone is an epidemic in our country. It's an epidemic in many, many cases. And there are also single fathers that are dealing with these things too. I don't want to minimize that as well. And there's grandparents who are are stepping in roles and all these kind of things. But which ones are the single moms? Those who are financially strained? You want to help them out financially? You want to help them get budgeting Uh, help those who have to work but don't have enough for for daycare so you say hey I'm going to step in that role or what about those now who are panicking right now because their children are home and they have to work and they have to go to school and they may be working two jobs and yet they've also got to fill in to help teach as well and may even have technology issues that they don't even know where they're going to get the money for wi-fi. Maybe God has put that burden on your heart and you're saying, what can I do? I know Jill was sharing with me somebody She knows about a church who said, hey, we're going to social distance them and I'm not working anymore, so I'm going to come in and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to help during some times during the day, uh, certain days, so that they can go ahead and have the ability that moms and, and other people who have to work don't have to take that time to do that and that they can be there and know their kids are taken care of. Where does that come from? That doesn't come from a program. It comes from a passion that God placed in your heart and a burden that God placed on your heart. When you see this single parent that is is distraught and doesn't know what they're going to do and has slept only two hours and they don't know where they're going to go, they don't know where their next paycheck comes from, it comes from a burden and a passion that God placed in your heart. And guess what? To get from a burden and passion to the point that you work, you've got to do something. And that's what God has called us to do and that's what Nehemiah did. So what does help them mean? People around the world and here doesn't mean food, doesn't mean medicine, doesn't mean education, doesn't mean homes, doesn't mean taking my time. Because here's the simple fact, if you cannot define it, you can never do it. You have to define it or you will never, ever do it. Nehemiah, he, he sat, he defined it, and he said, please send me to do the work. He was ready to do it. He was ready to do it. So what is God leading you to do? What Judah... What Jerusalem is God sending you to rebuild? Is he asking you to to talk to a friend about Jesus before the end of the year? To lead your family to be debt free by the end of um, of 2023? To provide scholarships to people in Haiti or people in our own community? To go ahead and recognize that that... There's an epidemic of prisoners who come out and have recidivism that they get out and they go right back into the prison because life, they don't know how to deal with it now. Maybe you're called to help with that process of bringing them in and allowing them to go ahead and adjust into society better. I can't tell you what it is. I can't programmatically make it. But what I can do is I can say, Lord, fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we have that. If you can't define it, you can't ever do it. If your vision isn't clear, nobody will ever follow where you want to go. Number three, everybody good? Number three, make plans carefully. Goals without plans are just wishes. Goals without plans are just wishes. Wishes and hopes. So make a plan. God is a God who loves plans and order. And I got to tell you, for me, this was probably my... My biggest problem early in ministry, in some way argues still now. I, I, I used to fly by the seat of my pants and call it Holy Spirit. Right. But, uh, and I remember one Easter, um, I think I've told this years before, we were at a sunrise service. And we had d- during that, that Lenten season, what we had done in the church, we took things out of the church and, took, and draped things. So one week we, we draped the organ in a, in a, a cloth um, like a purple or dark cloth, just to take it out of the way for the. And we sang a cappello. We covered the cross. We took the Bible out. We did all these. We took flowers out. We took all these kind of things out uh, of the church, just to show, uh, like Lent, doing away with something. And then on on Easter, when we went back in the church, we uncovered stuff. But it looked kind of kind of dull. So I'm at a I'm at a um, at a uh, sunrise service and I went and I talked to this lady. She was very, Lois uh, Taylor, she was very good at um, at decorating. She was amazing at it. And I walked over to her. Now, we have about an hour till church. And I said, you know, I was looking up at the cross. It just looks kind of bland. What do you think you can do? And she looked at me, and she said, I'll do something. So she went, and when I got to the church, when I got into the sanctuary, I looked, and there was like this sheer white cloth on the um, the cross, and it had these, um, these like, uh, I don't know, what, there's, there's little like trumpet flower things. What are they called? Yeah, that's what they're called. Um, lilies, you can tell I could care less about flowers. But um, lilies, they were shoved in there and it just looked immaculate. And after church, I went up to her, I said, that looks so good. And she goes, don't you ever do that to me again. I said, why? She goes, I went home. I ripped my curtains off my uh, off my, um my window, I went ahead, and on the side of the road, I grabbed a bunch of flowers. I had dirt all over my car because, of, don't you ever do that to me I again? I said, but it looked awesome, and God is pleased, and so am I. And she said, don't ever do it again, like that. And so what I realized, I had to plan, and when you plan and you build things out, it works better. God can work through it. It doesn't mean we say so stringent that God, we don't allow God to work, but God is a God of order. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is come up with a plan. Look at how God created and set things in order. That's why we have a nervous system. God is a God of system. We are part of the solar system. We live and we have an ecosystem. There are systematic things that God has put in place time and time again. And so Nehemiah in verse 6, it says, Then the king with the queen, queen sitting there because she might have to get the thumbs up, asked me, how long will the journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king, so I set a time. I love this because I can see Nehemiah. If he hadn't prayed and if he hadn't been um, prepared at that time, he might have gone, uh, I don't know, maybe a week, two, maybe maybe a year. I don't, know. I don't have a clue. I don't know who I had there. What did he do? He just said, eh, it'll take about this much time. So it pleased the king. He went with it. He came up with a time because why? He had a plan and had estimated how much it would take. And so... He said, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors in Trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall and the residents to occupy. What is he saying there? He went ahead and he said, I need to have safe conduct, and I also need to have provisions. What he was asking for. His plan contained everything. Not just building the wall, but he needed protection along the way. Saying, I need your protection along the way. And I need provision when I get there to build. And he said, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. He sought, looked for, was led by God, and God was directing it all. And when it came down to it, he had a plan that when it was asked what's going to happen, he went right there. You may say, I don't know how to plan. But I'm going to tell you, it is better to have an imperfect, passionate plan than to have everything's perfect with no passion. You need to have some sort of plan with passion. And you get the ball moving. And once you get the ball moving, you keep moving. A plan does not need to be perfect. And what would be, the, what in my mind would be the, the passionate, perfect plan is to do the next right thing. So, for instance, many of us are right now in a time where I've said it, I've lived it. I'm not sure what to plan for the rest of the year. I'm hoping that we get to plan something different for 2021. And we're worried about it. We're concerned, some of you may be concerned about the effects of COVID and some of the numbers that it's saying on. Young people, as I mentioned, that one in four have thought about committing suicide. In a Zoom call with 10 pastors, four of them said during this time they they had thought about committing suicide. Pastors, because of not being able to please anybody, because if they open up the church, then they're opening up to spread a disease and not not, uh, going along and being disruptive. And others, if they don't, Open it, then they're not being faithful enough, and they're in a no-win situation. Or the fact that some statistics in Barna say one in five churches will never reopen. These are real statistics. If you get caught on that stuff, you can worry yourself to death. You may be even more worried about what is the crux of that—the widening gap between church and society. You may be worried about the election. You may be worried about your kids or your grandkids or your spouse or your job. You may be worried. But I just want to tell you, success is not doing something fantastic and and noteworthy. Success is being faithful to do the right thing each and every day. Be clear about your plan and then do the next right thing. So the question is, what's the next right thing for you? If it's ministry, find out who's already doing it because none of us invented anything. Find out who's doing it, meet with them, take notes, ask questions, shut your mouth, and listen. If you have an inspiration, you may be inspired. I want to do this. So you take a course. You write a business plan. If you don't know how, you find somebody, a mentor, that can help you through that. You may want to go ahead and do a podcast. You may say, I want to get a date. I'm going to give you help. Brush your teeth and take a bath. I've helped you. And if you really want, guys, if you really want to find, hang out by Bath and Body Works. There you go. Because <laughs> ain't nobody else, you know, you, you're, you're going to be alone there. You, gotta, you got to pick from, all right? So, um, but seriously, we need to do that. Fourth thing. Let me give you the fourth thing here real quick. Inspire people passionately. I'm going to tell you, next week is Challenging. Because Nehemiah faces, he's, he's got this passion, he's got this plan, he's got protection, he's got provision, lots of peace, he gets there, and he finds opposition everywhere. He finds people who are totally against him. He's got haters, uh, in the words of, uh, what's her name, Taylor Swift, haters gonna hate, 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 right? He is, discur- you, there's discouragement, there's distraction, there's exhaustion. And he might even say the same thing that you say, is it worth it? you're exhausted. Anybody exhausted? You may feel like a failure. You say, is it even possible? Nehemiah, during those moments, doesn't let it take over him. He steps up and reaches deep within a strength in his soul and continues. And watch what happens. Watch what he says to them here, and we'll get more into this next week. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? And I love that. I am going to tell you what I love most about that first statement is Nehemiah is honest. Most of us, I don't know about you, but I would just love somebody to say, I would love somebody to just come up and say, this is a mess and every single one of us helped create a lot of it. Wouldn't you love to have just brutal honesty for once? And that I'm a mess because I don't know what to do. I would love somebody to just be brutally honest with the situation about our predicament and where we are. And that's what Nehemiah does. He looks at Jerusalem and he says, man, you see see the trouble that we're in here? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. And say, let's go home. What does he say? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and then we will no longer be a disgrace. And then he said this. I know it seems like a daunting task, but let me tell you something. I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. You see, he inspired them. He inspired them with faith because God is for them and with them. And God is opening doors for Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah is God is opening doors that could not have been opened unless he was praying and seeking God. Unless it was the power of God, he wouldn't have protection, he wouldn't have provision. He wouldn't have been in charge of this wall building thing. He was unqualified. And that's what made God say, yeah, you're, you're qualified more. You know, the term inspire, we all know what perspire means, right? Or expire. All right? Inspire means in, in Latin, inspirate, and it means into breathe, and when we inspire somebody, we breathe in something, we breathe passion into them, and it's no mistake that in Hebrew and Greek, what the Bible was written in, that the word for the Holy Spirit is wind, breath, and spirit. And what we need in our world today is not more of what, what the world's giving us that help us prospire and expire. We need the Spirit of God to inspire us because it's not a time of complete destruction and loss. Now is a time where God needs us to take the burdens that we have, to build up the passion that the Holy Spirit has given to us and do a good work that he has in our lives and to rebuild walls that have been torn down, walls of... Walls of racism need to be torn down and built up to where we have a unity, not one that is brokenness. We need to have a love for individuals, not because of who they are or where they are, but just because they are God's children. We need to have God breathe life into us like he never has before. And so I'm taken back. I told you my my founding is in Methodism. I want to take you to a One of the great questions by John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. And here's what John Wesley says here. He said, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Isn't that great? Some of us need to let the Holy Spirit set our passion on fire. We need to embrace our burdens. And you know John Wesley is very interesting. Some of the things that he did is he wrote a medical text for the everyday person, and he challenged doctors Stating that doctors were treating people and humans like mere machines, and that was wrong. Boy, would he have a good thing to say today. John Wesley also came up with the the idea and and something that everybody said, let's agree to disagree, and it came between him and George Whitfield, who was a pastor who loved the Lord, but they had a major disagreement about many things. He rode so far on horseback to spread the gospel that he could have circled the the earth ten times. Some 250,000 miles on a horse. You Tell me his butt was not sore for the gospel. He also had serious doubts about his faith. He said, he took the advice from a friend and wrote this down. Preach faith till you have it, and then because you have it, you will preach faith. He continued to counsel people. Here's something else that's good. Eat a little less than you desire. Good weight loss program, huh? And he believed that you could not be a Christian on your own. And so for him, social holiness meant social justice, and if you weren't active in that, then you were failing at being a Christian. See, there are several ordinary people who have changed the world. I can mention a couple of the names. you know them? Anybody heard of Mother Teresa? who changed the world. She, won, she had 69 years of service to the, the most in need of populations around the world. She won 124 humanitarian efforts and the Nobel Peace Prize, and the only thing she cared about was loving those who were unlovable because of Christ. She inspired thousands to do the same. You may have heard of the name Rosa Parks, who just was tired and didn't want to go to the back of the bus, but she changed the world and brought about the Civil Rights Movement. Emily Davison... Who was very active in the women's suffrage movement? Anybody know the person that on June fourth, nineteen eighty-nine, the only thing we ever know him for is Tank Man, a man who in Tiananmen Square challenged the Chinese military by just putting himself in front of a tank, and it brought worldwide broadcast and brought news to that. Or I'm gonna—I hope I don't butcher this name—but Malala Yousafzai. Usa, she was a courageous 11-year-old who made global headlines when she was shot in the head by the Taliban because she stood up and said, girls should be educated. She changed the world. Others like Alexander Fleming, who had no inkling that he that, um, of his effect of discovering penicillin. Or Mahatma Gandhi, or a name like Ken Surit. Ken Surritt, who went to dig a well in Kenya, and his passion... His burden and passion kicked up to, he founded a company called Water Is Life that provides safe, clean drinking water for p- developing countries all over the world. And his work is incredible as a, waterborne diseases seem to be a major killer of people all around the globe. But he said, enough, and that passion within him. Or Todd Beamer and the passengers of United Flight 93 who fought against the 9-11 terrorist. Um, or Candy Leitner who ha- said, enough is enough with drunk driving and came up with and found it mad, which has changed the world there. Or Ryan White, the young man who at the age, uh, at the young age of uh, a teenager, he went ahead and he, um, he was a hemophiliac who contracted AIDS from blood transfusion and brought to, to the forefront that AIDS was not, that was an epidemic that we needed to deal with and it didn't matter how people did it. It meant, it meant that anybody could get this in, in something and he changed the way we do things. They changed the world and he died at age 18. But the world has changed because, because of them because every one of these people had a burden and had a passion and God placed in their heart and they changed the world. They could have easily gone and dug a well and moved on. But he said no and he changed the world. This room is full of of world changers, and as our worship team comes up today, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to light yourselves on fire with passion. Passion from the Holy Spirit, and just see if people won't come from miles to miles. You know, Rosa Parks didn't just decide one day, hey, I'm gonna go sit down in the front. She said, I'm tired, and I'm gonna sit down. And when she said she was tired and sat down, and and the racism that existed in the world told her to go somewhere else, guess what? She said, not today. Remember my shirt the other week? Not today, Satan. We need to have a not today, Satan, for the burdens that we have in our world and see God and the Holy Spirit change it once and for all so we can truly, this is not a time, yeah, I realize, guess what? People say church will forever change. And I'm gonna say this, good. Because I think much like Nehemiah as a cupbearer, church universal has been too comfortable in the king's court with our cups, where we need to get a little bit more dirty and get out in the world and start rebuilding the walls that have been crushed in our society and our world. Are you ready to do that? Is that what God is telling you? I can't tell you what it is for you because I know I'm struggling to find out what it is for me. The one thing God is really laying in my heart, and I mentioned it last week, is human trafficking. It's breaking my heart to see these needs breaking my heart and when I've gone to this one conference it's now called Aspire, every year I run over to Rafa House and I buy shirts and I donate money because they took these young girls, young teen girls as 11, 12 years of age who were put into sex trade and prostitution and they rescued them and they taught them how to make bags so they could sell them and make a living and if I can buy 50 billion of them I will because it's wrong that's somebody's child and that burden on my heart should be my passion I shouldn't just sit there and forget about it and wear my shirt each day and then forget about them and realize that's happened in our same communities world. that's my passion that's what God's placing on my heart what's yours? what's yours? because as I look around the room and see all those eyes and when I realize there's people in that camera that look at me God has placed a burden on your heart It's time for you to be a Nehemiah and say enough. And guess what? Next week we're going to find out. We're going to find opposition everywhere. But we don't stop. Because we remind each other about the goodness of God and what he's called us to. So let's stand today and let's recognize how good God is. And let's pray. Dear God, I pray right now more than I ever have that you will make your people uncomfortable Make us uncomfortable. Put burdens in our lives. Put problems in our way. And God, help us not to forget before all this that we just need to to cry sometimes about it. That right now in the sound of my voice, God, I recognize that there is a young girl or a young boy around the world who is having to live life in human trafficking. They're crushed. And God, right now, as I have this image of this weeping child in my life, I weep too because it's wrong. It's so wrong. And God, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna weep more. But God, I pray that you open the doors. You open the doors so this can be eradicated that you're gonna call me to work. And wherever you call me to work to, to rebuild the walls of someone's life. Use me, God. Here I am. And for everybody in the sound of my voice, God, we have a lot of work to do. And guess what? The harvest has never been more plentiful than it is right now. So use us, God. You are so good. Help us to remember how good you are. You never leave us, you never forsake us. And God, you bring us just like Nehemiah, you bring us protection and you bring us provision. And you make a way. We love you, Lord. Let us just worship your name. And everybody in the sound of my voice, if you just need, this may be the first time you're hearing the name of Jesus and Jesus in this way. You've heard him in other ways. But he loves you and he gave his life up for you. And he he wants, he has a plan for your life and a purpose and a passion that he's placed in your heart. So come to him today and just, Jesus, we need a savior and you're it. So fill this place and fill our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving, you know, this God, you're so good.
2: So good, God, you're so good, you're so.
1: Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever.
2: God, your soul.
0: so good. did not you love that part? I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole. I'm saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. If that is not what Nehemiah believed, that changed the world, and if that's not what all those other, uh, others that we mentioned believed, And I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I don't. Who knows? But I believe it. I believe it. So have a great week. Next week we get to talk about opposition to where God calls us. And we have a lot of that. Have a great week. God bless. Don't forget all the announcements. Please make sure if you want to be part of the baptism to register and put your T-shirt down there. Have a good week. God bless.